Welcome to the podcast of Hope Community Church. Hope exists to be a church where people can experience the transformative power of the gospel in the context of grace-centered community. We strive to be real people looking to the real Jesus for real change that can have redemptive impact among individuals, local communities, our city, and the world. For more information, visit hopecommunity.com. As we continue our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark, we're gonna we're gonna this is the last of these we're gonna do for a while. Then we're gonna take a little break, and uh, for the next six weeks, we're gonna do a series on giving, and then we'll pick Mark back up. But uh, today, as we kind of conclude the first half of uh, Mark, we come to a story that may be the most offensive story in the entire Gospel of Mark which is Jesus' interaction with the Syrophoenician woman. And as soon as uh, Matt asked me to preach here today and I looked at the passage, I was like, how convenient that Matt Ham is out of town and that Trip is at Disney World and I get to come to OP and tackle this passage. Well, before we look at it, I want to remind you that um, we're actually entering into a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples midstream here. And anytime we do that, it's a dangerous thing, right? Anytime you, you walk into and overhear a conversation that, that's about halfway through, it's ripe for misunderstandings. Um, and since Trip is at Disney World, uh, I figured it would be appropriate for me to open with a Disney illustration like he would if he were here. Uh, and if you can dig back into your childhood, you may remember that you've seen this in a Disney film before. And this is what happened when Shrek the Ogre prepared to confess his love to Princess Fiona as they drew near to the castle of Prince Farquaad on the night before she was to marry that prince. As Shrek approached the windmill uh, where Fiona had withdrawn for the night, he overheard her talking to Donkey. And she said this, Who could ever love a beast so hideous and ugly? Princesses and ugly don't go together. That's why I can't stay here. My only chance to live happily ever after is to marry my true love and the only way to break the spell. That's just the way it has to be. Now, as Shrek overheard that conversation midstream, he thought that she was talking about him. But in fact, she was talking about herself because she was under a curse. And each night, she would turn into an ogre herself. The curse went like this. By night, one way. By day, another This shall be the norm until you find true love's first kiss and then take love's true form. Now, here's the reason I bring this up. Because uh, we are entering into this ongoing conversation that Jesus has been having with his disciples midstream. And so it's very easy for us to misinterpret what's happening with this woman If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, then hopefully you'll recall that Jesus has just had a big fight with the religious right of his day over their misuse of God's cleanliness laws in the Hebrew Scriptures. God intended for those laws to humble his people and to serve as a physical metaphor for their need for spiritual cleansing, showing them how easy it is to get contaminated by the culture in the world in which we walk. Uh, 
But instead, they had warped them into a way to feel spiritually superior to their Gentile neighbors. The argument that Jesus had had with them culminated in Jesus saying to everyone listening in Mark 7, 18-20, a passage we looked at last week, Are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and is, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, whatever, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. In our passage today, Mark is explaining what happened next, right after this public disagreement. Look at verse 24. He got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Jesus is leaving Israel for a number of reasons, but one of the main ones is to give his disciples a visual example of the cleanliness principle that he had just explained to the Pharisees. Verse 25, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So here's the situation. Jesus has entered a Gentile town, most likely to have a private dinner with some Jewish friends who lived there. A Gentile woman who very likely exposed her daughter to some local witchcraft is in a desperate situation. Her preschool-aged child has become demon-possessed, and she can't do anything about it. She hears that this Jewish holy man is in town who has supernatural authority and seems to love messy people, even Gentiles. And so she seeks him out. Matthew recounts the same event and includes a few details that will help us understand exactly how this scene played out. She'd first approached Jesus as he entered the area and had begun crying out to him as he walked down the street toward this house. Matthew 15, 21 through 23. When Jesus left there, he, drew, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. Jesus did not say a word to her. All right, imagine how socially awkward this situation is. This is Jesus at his best. Remember, he's here in part to put his disciples in a lab where they can practically learn the lesson that he had just taught them regarding the, their Gentile neighbors and how they're to think about cleanliness. And so what did his disciples do when a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit came to Jesus in public in a Gentile context and started talking to him, begging him to deliver her? Well, Matthew tells us what they did. Matthew 15, 23, his disciples approached him and urged him, send her away because she's crying out after us. They're like, Lord, this is embarrassing. I mean, nobody lets people treat them this way. 
Now, why did the disciples think it was wrong for Jesus to allow this woman to speak to him publicly? Well, the Apostle John explained why when he told us the story of the woman in the well. John 4, 9. How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? A Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Right? This was an ancient Near Eastern culture that had a caste system, basically. Right? It had very clear cultural lines about who would talk with who. And men didn't talk with women, Jews didn't talk with Samaritans, and Jewish rabbis certainly didn't talk with Gentile women. That was right out. But Jesus doesn't dismiss her. He lets her persist in pursuing him, and then does the opposite. He actually publicly engages her in conversation. Matthew 15, 24 says, he replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Notice what Jesus is saying here. He reveals two really important truths. First, he affirms Israel's special place as the chosen people of God. Genesis 17, 6 through 8 is where we read about that, where God appeared to Abraham and said this to him, I will make you very fruitful, I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. All right? But the fact that Israel was chosen didn't change their need for God's mercy. They were still the lost sheep of Israel, right? When Jesus came, he came to the lost sheep of Israel. The Israelites were both set apart for God and still in need of his mercy, still in need of his grace. In fact, God had chosen them specifically because their need would make his mercy upon them more visible in the world. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 9, God explained through Moses, For you're a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples of the face of the earth. The Lord has set his heart on you and chose you, not because you were more numerous than all the peoples, for you were the fewest of all the peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors. He brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his gracious covenant, loyalty, for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So how does this woman respond to Jesus' statement? Well, interestingly enough, she's emboldened. Jesus has chosen to speak to her, and he's expressed compassion for lost sheep. And so she follows him into the house of his hosts, uninvited, 
and falls at his feet. Verse 24 of our passage. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. To which Jesus responds, verse 27, let the children be fed first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. <laughs> what? What? Did he say dog? Yeah, he did. Now, this is where we're like Shrek. Remember, we're entering into this ongoing conversation with Jesus that he's been having with his disciples. So, this is the moment we're most likely to misinterpret. Don't forget that Jesus has just taught the Pharisees that Gentiles are not less righteous than they are, that they are both in need of God's grace and mercy. He's come to a Gentile town to illustrate that fact. He's already dignified this woman by refusing to dismiss her and instead has entered into conversation with her publicly, and now he's allowed her to come into the house and interrupt the dinner party that she was not invited to. So what is he saying? Well, it's harsh, but it's lovingly harsh. What he's saying is, you don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve a place at God's family meal. You don't deserve a seat at the table. And that's absolutely true. You see, she had entered life with no real knowledge of God. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, Ham's favorite passage, which I've heard a million times. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desire, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. Her version of living this godless way appears to have led her to engage in some diabolical practices which exposed her daughter to harm in a manner that she is now powerless to reverse. We don't know exactly how her daughter got demon-possessed, um, but it had to be something dark. And what do people who expose children to harm deserve from God? Well, Luke 17, 1 and 2, Jesus tells us. He says this, Offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Okay? So this is the situation this woman who either through abuse or neglect has put her preschool-aged child in the way of evil. And she's now desperate, and she's coming to Jesus and interrupting the family meal to beg for him to intercede. And so what does Jesus do 
Well, he says this, verse 27, and I want you to think about what do you think the look was on his face when he said this? Let the little children be fed first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. Because something in the way he said this gave her hope. I think there was a glint in his eye. There was something about the way he said this that she realized this is banter. This is an invitation. He's offering me something here. Because her faith seized on two words in that statement. First and dogs. She rightly assumed that Jesus' use of the word first meant that his God and Father was eventually going to provide spiritual food to the entire Gentile world through him. And so she thought, well, why not now? If the children eat first and the dogs eat second, I'll take seconds. God had made this promise to Abraham in Genesis 22. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you've done this and have not withheld your son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you've obeyed my command. What God said is, hey, listen to Abraham, because you, you were willing to sacrifice Isaac, your one and only son, when I required you to, and it didn't make any sense, that act of faith is going to make you a wellspring of grace. And you're first and foremost going to bless your own descendants, but then through you I'm going to bless every nation on the earth because of one of your offspring. So rather than be offended, she kind of perks up, and then she latches on, of all words, to the word dog. Because the word dog translated here from the Greek word, there's two words for dog in the Greek. The first is like garbage dog that everybody hates, right? The, the mutt that's the wild, you know, run around town dog. But the second word is puppy, right? Which is your house pet dog. And it, Jesus uses that word right? And so, rather than being offended by this statement, she does what all well-led puppies do, which is what? She rolls over and exposes her belly to him. She gets vulnerable. John Green describes the significance of her decision this way when he was talking about his dog. He said this, my dog died last year, but one of my great memories of him is playing in the front yard of our house at dusk. He was a puppy then, and in the early evenings, he would always come down with a case of the zoomies. He'd run in delighted circles around us, yipping and jumping at nothing in particular, and then after a while, he'd get tired, and he'd run over to me, and he'd lie down. And then he would do something absolutely extraordinary. 
he would roll over onto his back and present his soft belly. I always marveled at the courage of that, his ability to be so absolutely vulnerable to us, to offer us the place that the ribs didn't protect and trust that we weren't going to bite or stab him. It's hard to trust the world like that, to show it your belly. That's what she does. Despite a lifetime of reasons not to do this, this Syrophoenician woman sees something in Jesus' eyes and decides to become absolutely vulnerable to him in a manner that was so shocking that Peter had to include it in the stories that he told Mark about Jesus. Verse 28, but she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Wow. Wow. And what did Jesus do with that? He gave her a place at the table. Verse 29, then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And he will do the same thing for us. If, like her, we'll merely admit that we don't deserve to be part of his family. John 1, 10 through 13, the Apostle John explained it this way. Jesus was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. But how exactly does Jesus do that? By taking the death this woman's sins deserved for leading her child into evil and dying in her place so that he could free her and her child from evil and adopt her into his household. Paul describes this clearly in Ephesians 2 where he says this, So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. You were without Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise and without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put their hostility to death. He came and proclaimed good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members 
of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Which brings us back to Shrek and Fiona. Remember the curse that Fiona was under? By night one way, by day another, this shall be the norm until you find true love's first kiss and then take love's true form. You see, it turned out that the ogre's form was the real her. But she didn't believe that anybody could love her in that state until she discovered that Shrek actually preferred her that way. So eventually she settled into being an ogress full-time and learned to enjoy the true love of Shrek that freed Princess Fiona from shame. And they got married. Well, what would that look like for us? Well, like the woman in our passage, we'd have to be ready to admit that when it comes to God's table, we're like dogs at Thanksgiving, right? We're like the bumpus hounds, right, and, and from Christmas story. We don't really deserve to be there. Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, which means every Christian should be able to say this. If you really get the gospel, you'll be able to say this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Martin Luther, the founder of the Protestant movement, put it this way, God creates out of nothing. Therefore, until a man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. Right? This is step one in any recovery program. Will you just admit that you're powerless? Right? Will you just admit that you just can't do it? You're never going to be good enough for God. Well, the minute you do that, what does God do? Well, exactly what Jesus did for her. He turns dogs like us into the sons and daughters of God so that everyone around us can see just how merciful he is. Paul went on, 1 Timothy 1.16, But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Which brings us to this table. This is a family meal for dogs like us who are ready to let Jesus feed us at the table of his Father. And what does he feed us? Not what you would normally feed a dog. Look again at verse 27. He said to her, let the children be fed first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Who feeds dogs bread? Right? Don't you feed dogs meat? Why would Jesus say bread? Well, the answer is Jesus feeds dogs bread. How? On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take of it, each of you. And in a similar manner, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is shed for the remission of sins. Drink of it, each of you. See, this is a family meal. Jesus actually said, I won't eat this again until after the resurrection when we all eat it together in my Father's house. 
and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back to take you to be with me so that you can live with me forever. So, if like this woman, you're ready to admit that you cannot deliver yourself from evil and you can never be good enough for God and that you don't deserve a place at his table, Jesus says, come on home, right? This is for you. That's exactly right. That's why I was sent. I was sent to make dogs into the sons and daughters of God. Now, if you have not yet received Christ, we are so glad that you're here, right? We've always wanted hope to be a safe place where you can come and listen to the good news of the gospel and pray about it. Um, we've included some prayers in your bulletin that you may want to pray but this isn't a fake it till you make it kind of thing. So you can't come and take this meal without drinking and uh, eating judgment on yourself if you're not united to Christ because it, it would be a form of hypocrisy. It'd be you just kind of pretending. So we encourage you instead to stay in your seats and pray. But if you're ready now to receive Christ, this is an invitation. This is the bread that turns dogs into the sons and daughters of God. And so we invite you to come. It's our practice here at Hope to take the elements and take them back to our seats. Um, how do y'all do the wine uh, and juice here, Brett? Inner ring, outer ring? Inner ring is wine. Out, outer ring, two rings are juice. Okay, great. Every site does it different, so I, 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 have to, I should have asked beforehand. Sorry. Um, and do y'all have the little, little uh, COVID things for people that are gluten-free? Okay, great. Hope you have that too. Uh, so, hey, very complicated, right? Complicated family meal. Welcome to our complicated family meal. Uh, the officers will come forward as I pray. We'll come down. We'll take the elements. We'll take them back to our seats. We'll take them together. Uh, please come down the right, your right, my left, your right side, and then go back on the left just to uh, smooth out some of that. And um, I'll pray as the officers come forward. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us. And uh, that you came to give dogs a seat at your dinner table. Um, help us, Lord, uh, to trust you and um, to feed ourselves upon your gracious sacrifice so that we, by faith in you uh, and the grace of your Father, might receive the inheritance that you deserve. And we pray that in your name. Amen.